Golden Edge, presented by STN Sports Mobile from Station Casinos. What is up, everyone? Golden Edge podcast time. Thank you guys for tuning in, even during the off season. Even during the off season, there's, hockey never rests. There's no days off. That's our no that's the motto. days off. Well, you know what? You're you're quoting the Bill Belichick famous "No days off" chant. I think is what you were doing. Absolutely. Uh, but the problem is when Bill Belichick did it, he was so he, I don't think he's ever chanted before. And it was more like a no days off, no days. He's like that's not how you chant. Doesn't have the rhythm. Yeah, we'll get the we'll get the chant right here. No days off. But yeah, off season. But not for us. Golden Edge here with you, bringing you everything you need to know about the Golden Knights. And there's some Golden Knights in action. We'll get into how some of the players are spending their offseason and how some of the future Golden Knights are getting some experience now that may help them during their time. But once again, we thank you for listening. Golden Edge Podcast, we're here with you, letting you letting you know everything you need to know about the Golden Knights. And we want you to share it, like it, subscribe, whatever you do for podcasts. Get ready we'll for the it. season. Whatever. Yes. Uh, so We're comment desperate. on us, tell your friends, everything else, wherever you find your podcast. But we also want to thank our new sponsor because Golden Edge Podcast is presented by STN Sports Mobile from Station Casino. So we really appreciate that and uh, having them aboard. But that will be something that we have going forward. We really appreciate those guys being on board. Golden Knights, as we said, in action. So um going to get to a little bit of that. Uh, what is going on with the Chicago Wolves, the AHL affiliate of the Golden Knights, and their uh, continued pursuit of the Calder Cup and what that could mean uh, for some of those guys getting experience in the future. Some Golden Knights in the World Championships as well. That action just wrapped up. Some of the current Golden Knights had a nice run there, so we'll get into that. But, Ben, very exciting. Today, it's not just us. Myself, Adam Hill, Ben Goats, who cover the team. Late intro there, but... Uh, Late intro, we'll I like it. it. Uh, we cover the team, but... Uh, a very special guest today, Ben. This is going to be exciting. Yeah, we got Johnny Greco, uh, VP of Entertainment Production for the Golden Knights. Those intro packages that they do, I mean, the music, the pageantry, everything involved, that's him. Yeah, that is him. And he's here with us. We can talk to him about all of that stuff and find out how it all came together. And uh, so many questions that I have for him about the the entertainment experience we have out at T-Mobile Arena. And he's actually with us right now, so... Let's not waste any time. Let's get right into it. Johnny, what is it like to have your job, and how would you just describe what your job is like to people? Uh, like a kid who never had to grow up, uh, it's yeah. it's so much fun. It's such an exciting opportunity to, to be able to be a part of this community, jump right in, entertain in the entertainment capital of the world, but also like have some fun. Like we don't take ourselves too serious. I mean, we've got a knight on the ice and swords and medieval. I mean, there's, there's a lot of... Uh, some of our brainstorm sessions are pretty nuts and nothing's off the table. So uh, we get to create an experience. We get to create memories. We always tell everyone, you remember the first ball game you ever went to or concert you ever went to and and then go back to that moment. And don't forget that tonight, it may be your 1,000th game doing this and a Tuesday night, but somebody's here for the first time and we have to honor that. And we got to give them memories and smiles and supplement hockey's first. It's number one. It's everything. After that, let's make it one heck of a good time. That's our idea. Well, so many people talk about you know the the show at the beginning, mm-hmm. like just before puck drop, everybody yeah. sees this big show. Yeah, but there's so much more that goes into the arena experience. Sure. So, like, 
what what all is your you know your domain? What yeah. all do you oversee? It's an exciting domain, and and I would be remiss not to mention all of the awesome line mates I have that help create and do what we do. We've got over 130 performers and crew on on a given night, right? We've got nine full-time production team members who are the best editors, the best music people, the best show callers, the best writers, just these, this incredible team who has this belief in creating a, an experience like this. So, um, but but also when we first got here, none of it was in place. <laughs> so so let's go back two years, and it was like, hey, you know when we score a goal, what's the goal horn going to be? Yeah. And what's the goal song going to be? And what you, you start? What's the mascot going to be? What who's the PA announcer who's going to say this? Who are your hosts going to be? So what's the name of the the ice crew that's going to clean the ice? And so we started to just dig into all of that and really. You know, go go from the beginning and think about how do you honor Vegas? How do you honor what a night is? What that means? We never surrender. We don't retreat. People fell in love with this logo and this idea of a team before they knew who Mark Andre Fleury was. So we had to kind of create this backstory and build what this experience could be like. Also, presuming that expansion teams they don't always go to the Stanley Cup Finals. What I'm told. So <laughs> so we were kind of trying to create an environment that would be a good time without assuming that the hockey was going to be great. And it turned out to be exceptional. So our stuff was very supplemental and kind of wild, but it was all for this community. We, we went out in the community right when we all, a lot of us moved here and we didn't want to come in and say, Hey, this is how we're going to do it. Cause we're from Boston or Cleveland or wherever we want to do it the way Vegas would appreciate it, the way the locals of Vegas would 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 vibe with, and we know it's a transient city and it's a it's a hospitality town and it's the world class production. But we wanted to make sure we gave the the banker in Summerlin and the and the soccer mom in Henderson and the lawyer like those the the people who make Vegas the heart and soul the first response. What are they going to be proud of? What are they going to love? So we didn't want to do the crazy Vegas oh the showgirls and Elvis and Slotman. We didn't want to play that stereotype too much because it's great. And it's part of what gave Vegas some of some of its um, street cred and, and what people know. But we also want to be really smart about doing what what locals wanted and celebrate them as much as we could. Yeah. So I'm curious, how high did you set the bar for yourself going in? Because, of course, you mentioned Las Vegas entertainment capital world. Yeah. You're on the strip with all these you know shows and artists and stuff like mm -hmm. that. So going into it, was this a big challenge for you to design a show that could compete with all of that? Yeah, it was. It was. And that was also part of the the mystique and excitement about coming out here was, OK, you're starting a new organization. That's hard anywhere. It's blood, sweat, tears, long weeks. But we're passionate about what we do. We love that. It's like, okay, now you're going to be a part of the entertainment at this e experience, right? Okay, super excited. I'm vibing. This is cool. You have great leadership who who will help support you to see cool visions, try things, fail, make mistakes, and and get better, which is everything when you're trying to, to be original and innovative. But then it came down to like – you're in Vegas. You're in Las Vegas. There's so many great shows. Who do you want to see? Because they're playing down the street tonight. Oh, your favorite comedian? Cool. He's here next week. Oh, I love this show that's been going on for 20 years. Best show I've ever seen. That's all around here. So you're going to create the entertainment experience in this city? Like, gulp? Holy cow. So we were, so that amount of like complete fear and terror and total excitement and, and, and kind of freedom was, was like an intoxicating kind of offer. So when we started building out this team, we needed people who were kind of like 
just nuts and like ready to take on something like this. And also we made sure not to grab just your traditional game ops sports people, your traditional hockey, hockey, hockey. We have to honor the game. We love the game. We got to respect the game. But we also grab people who work for ESPN. We worked with grab people who work for WWE, people who work for original six teams. We wanted we wanted a little bit of everything from all over the country because that's that's part of what makes up Vegas. But we also didn't know exactly what we were jumping into. So we wanted to make sure that we had the ability to be fluid, to change, to evolve. An example of this, music, first game ever. So cool, we, we come up, we have a million conversations about music, mascots, videos. Well, music traditionally at hockey games is hard rock, heavy metal. That's what we're gonna play, that's what they do. So we're gonna come out with that at first. Three minutes into the first game ever, we're like, preseason game, we're like, they don't like this. They're sitting on their hands. <laughs> what did we do? We've like, we've just killed the whole vibe. So our awesome senior director show caller, Aaron, she's like, we got to switch it. So literally right there, our awesome music team, Wags, Joe Green, they, they make this switch on the fly, pop culture, pop music. Uh, let's do some EDM. Let's do some arena. We change it. And immediately the crowd started, you saw them warm up. You saw them dancing. We're like, okay, cool. This is the direction we have to go. So we were really fluid. We had visions, we had ideas, but we weren't idiots. We weren't going to just be like, this is how it's got to be. And here's all of your traditions, Vegas, have fun. We weren't going to do that. So we were fluid and open to, to listening to the crowd. Mm -hmm. And now that you listen to the crowd now, I mean, mm -hmm. what is it like for you to kind of sit back at a game and experience kind of all that with the fans and see their reaction? I, honestly, like I'm a, I'm an emotional Italian guy. I tear up sometimes. <laughs> like I'll look, I'll look at the game and, or, and the show and before it's all going and the lights go out and, and the anthem goes and, and you have 17, 18,000 people go night. And, and and you're just like, holy cow, we got to be a part of this. And then, you, see, you know, during the playoffs, you see the guys, guys and girls with the towels and the chants that are organically forming. And, and you, you could, you, we could, we did this one game and we didn't even produce it well, but this just shows how awesome our fans are. We're like, all right, everybody. It was in memory of, of the gentleman who, who wrote Wipeout. He had just passed and we're like, you know what? We're going to do the wave tonight for this guy. We're going to play that song. It's a cool little pop culture nod. And we're like, all right, everybody, time to do the wave. Let's do it. And we didn't really say starting in section one or we just literally said that. And within three seconds, we had two different waves going back and forth, upper deck, lower deck, and the fortress is just going nuts. And I'm like, this wouldn't happen anywhere else. And that's because the city, that's because these fans, they're unbelievable. So to look back and know what we got to be a part of, this was all about Vegas. They, it's theirs. They own it. It's theirs. We get to go along for the ride. It's unbelievable. It's incredibly rewarding. And we want to keep our foot on the gas. We want to keep being as great as we can for the city. You, you referenced one already, but I mean, we, we talked so much about, like, it's so known now. Like, Vegas is is the Golden Knights show and everything that goes on. And people talk about it all over the place. You mentioned, like, the first game. It was a, a you were learning on the fly. Yeah. You guys were trying all these great things. Yeah. Has there been something that you did and you guys tried and you were like, Oh, yeah. What were we thinking? <laughs> yeah. Epic failures? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, most people don't know about all of them, but there's been plenty of them. On a, any given live production, and you guys know whether it's podcasts, radio, t TV, the live sporting event, there's so much that can go wrong and does. So you, you're you constantly just building contingency plans for contingency plans for contingency plans. Uh, we had a good example that, that we share a lot, which is kind of funny. We did this really great um, top golf. Uh, round the rink challenge. These two massive, like six foot in diameter oh, yeah. balls, right? Yep. They're huge, yep. heavy nylon balls. Um, you guys are nodding like you saw this disaster. So we'll see how this goes. <laughs> um, so we had rehearsed it and the idea was, all right, 
two two teams, the red team, the white team, the ball is going to be passed by the fans because the fans are awesome. They're going to help and they're going to send it all the way around the rink and go to the end and whoever gets their first wins. We didn't do a lot of uh, engaging like fan stuff. Like We're like, this will be really fun. The crowd, will, they'll do it. It'll be cool. The props we got were, were pretty heavy and robust. So we did a rehearsal. Rehearsal didn't go well. And we're like, all right, we're still going to try this and just see, you know, how, how but we, we let all the powers that be know this may really fail. And um, <laughs> we were right. And um, so, so the timeout comes and we're like, all right. And it's, it's one of those bad situations where the referee has to get the penalty in, which as he's talking, shortens our window to get our timeouts in. And you, you never want to affect the game or the ice. And we did both in this case. And, and so, so we're like, all right, big D's kind of taking the lead, our awesome host. And he's like, all right, here we go. We're going to send it around. It kind of explains it really quick because we're rushing in yeah. to get it. So we never really explain it. Send the balls out within three seconds ball on the left. I think it was the white ball goes like right down to the glass. I mean, just, there's no chance this thing's going to make it one section over, let alone the whole <laughs> arena goes right down to the glass. And what people do, they're trying the spirits there, but they literally like volley it right onto the ice. <laughs> And, yep. and this massive ball bounce, bounce. And we're, we're just watching this. Like, it's like a slalom of hockey, pl- professional million dollar hockey players skating around with this prop from our show going all around. No one got hit until I looked at the other ball, which was going, which is the red ball. I believe that's going to the right. Now that one lasted about three seconds longer, which got it far enough to make it to the penalty box area at center ice. Well, this got pushed up over into the penalty box which had a Golden Knights player in it. So I think it was Oscar Lindbergh at the time. He literally is just, there's, I saw a video footage of him. The poor guy's like, he's he's frustrated. There's a penalty call. He took a penalty. He's there and this ball's just bouncing. And he's just trying to get it out. And you see this guy struggling. Our fans struggled. It wasn't going to be easy for him either. It was a uh, It was a complete disaster. You know, leadership though, literally like the message we get, that's over. Everything that could go wrong did. And the message is like, hey, good try. Yeah. So you want to be creative. You want to be innovative. You need to have that kind of leadership that's going to allow that. Now, we felt bad. We we took the steps to make it better and improve. But you, you have to be willing to fail. And that was a that's a really good example of failure in our uh, in our uh, year two, for sure. One, one of the things I think of as, as a challenge that you guys have, and I, I'm sure you think about it quite a bit because it, it does feel different all the time, but – You've got some people that are experiencing this for the first time. Yeah. I want to be there. Yeah. And you've got others that are there every single game. Yeah. So h- how do you kind of balance like we want to make it cool for everybody that's here, but we we got to kind of you know evolve and, yeah. and keep it up so it's still fresh for people. I love that question. I'll, I'll ask you guys that question, right? So Adam, what kind of genre of music do you like? Hip-hop. Okay, hip-hop. Ben, what do you like? Oh, rock and roll, okay. 80s. Nice. Def Leppard. Yeah. How okay. old? You're like 22. <laughs> I know, that seems 25. I was Come thinking sync at best. Okay. So oh, Backstreet Boys. They, better than NSYNC. There you go. Hey, down the street. So exactly. um, Time to bait. Point taken, though. Like, like everyone likes different stuff. And you may be coming to your first game. You may be coming to your – you've been to all of them, right? So it's over 100 home games. Like we need to make sure that we remember there's a fan coming the first time. So we have to program for moments that give you that, wow, 50 years from now, they're going to say, I was there. I got to get a high five by chance. I was on Nitron. I caught a t-shirt. Because probably if you're like a seven-year-old, that's all you're looking for, right? You got to remember the the inner child. But also there's someone who's been to a gazillion events, has have seen it all. And maybe they're like, hey, I'm from Chicago and this is how we do hockey. What you guys are doing is bananas. But maybe like we still have to try to program it where they might enjoy it. There's enough respect to the original six, the old, the, what hockey is and the sport. But also like, don't forget where you're from. Don't forget who you are. And and so it's 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 a constant, ever going process where we 
program a show, do the best we can, probably make a hundred mistakes a game. Hopefully only a few really make air. And when it's over, we review it every single game. We write a report, we break down the host job, the PA, the Matt, everybody, and just say, Hey, how can we get better? What was great? What can be tweaked? And we do the fans deserve it. These people are paying a lot of money. The city's proud of what we're doing. We can't be irresponsible and forget to honor that whole process. So we keep our foot on the gas when it comes to that stuff. You mentioned something that was kind of interesting there to me about like the traditional fans and like out of town fans. Do you get a lot of feedback like that of people being like, hey, this is interesting and all, but I'm just here for the hockey. Like, (laughs) why do we got strobe lights going all over the place? Social media, never read the comments, never (laughs) read the comments. Uh, A lot of that's on the the social channels. If you see uh, during the Stanley Cup final last year, we were doing some stuff like, just get to the game. Just It's like, we are literally using the space we're allowed to do it. And if NBC wants to cover it, that's great. That's cool. But we're not creating this for the TV audience. If you like it, cool. You don't like it, cool. It's subjective. It's art. There's no writer. You know, you like hip hop, cool. Some people like, oh, hip hop's done. It's subjective. It's art. Um, So... I think on the social channels, yes, but people who come, there may be some like, that's ah, a little much for me, but like in the end, if you come to the game and you're, the hairs on your arms stand up, did we do what we're supposed to do? Did the crowd, was the crowd going nuts in the third period when it's a close game? Did you help create this home ice advantage, this spirit that might help give the boys on the ice that little edge? That's, that's what we're trying to do. So yeah, we get feedback like that. We listen to it. We respect it, but we also have to just feel with what's right for this community and what they like. And the majority is going to win in that sense. Along the same lines, like when you're, when you're first designing this and you're, you're breaking the mold, you're going over and above and beyond and you say it's Vegas and it's mm-hmm. new and all those things. Mm-hmm. And you guys know you have something cool, but how much like trepidation was there about like, are people going to like, the, like are people going to accept this as the, as a hockey environment when we actually put this into play? Yeah, that's a really good question. <laughs> I mean, we could talk about that on a whole separate podcast. I, we were, we were, Coming in, it's like, how's this going to be? And and we talked about like honoring old Vegas. We're going to have Elvis and the showgirls. And, and then we just started to talk to people. Like we didn't want to presume to come in and say, this is the way it should be in Vegas. We had to make some decisions, of course. And some were really good and some some weren't. And But we were very open to being fluid. We we're very open to changing things. And it's a, it's a world-class legendary wrestler named Arn Anderson, who was part of the Four Horsemen with Ric Flair and everything else. A lesson. I used to do when I when I got to work with him and I use it and I every day I repeat it is the the I asked him what's the difference between the, the good wrestlers and the great wrestlers and he's like simple he's like the good ones hear the crowd like they hear it oh the crowd's loud you hear them the great ones listen to the crowd and it's different you could say holy cow the United Center's so loud right now. Yes, but do you are you listening to what they want and what they say? Because it's not about that moment. It's about the next five moments. It's almost like a game of chess. And then, oh, by the way, there's a penalty. Oh, by the way, there's a goal. Something completely derails your plan, and that's why you have 15 layers of contingency and you kind of make the, cho- the best choice possible in the moment. I definitely want to get back to the uh, Four Horsemen reference. But, <laughs> Woo! Uh, one thing that it, you know was fascinating to me, um, and why I asked what I did is it seems to me, and I don't know if Adam can also speak to this, that some other road arenas have definitely seemed to raise their game a little bit mm-hmm. based on what you guys have done. So have you gotten a lot of questions from other teams that are kind of in your same role of like, hey, what tips can you guys provide us so we can also kind of take our 
in-house game to the next level? Absolutely. And the, the the game ops production world of sports, it is a it's a great fraternity, right? Like it's a it's a group of people who really understand each other, have the same frustrations. For the most part, are these creative artists that want to just do the best they can for their fans. But given a, a whole bunch of reasons, usually just the record of the team, it's it's a lot harder to get super excited when you haven't won in so many years and 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 maybe you don't have the same support from the top and they're saying, hey, we want the best, but they're not willing to really put you in the best spot for that. But we get uh, asked a lot by a lot of our, our colleagues and counterparts and imitation is the highest form of flattery. Some teams straight up rip it off. Cool. You have led drummers. We're going to do it too. Cool. And, and that's fine. You can do that. And some people Nashville and Arizona for sure did this. They literally recreated their show open the night they played the Vegas golden Knights to, to sort of parody what we do. And I'm like, whether it was good or bad or anything, you literally changed your show because of the show we're doing here. That's a, an incredible like feather in our cap and and cool gamesmanship to the people who aren't playing the game, the sport. And um, so I, that was very very cool. But we're we want to share ideas. But what we'll tell a lot of people is, and this is true, and you kind of forget this is like just because showgirls work here, it doesn't mean it's going to work in Madison Square Garden. But create your own version of showgirls. Think about the spirit behind why we have that element. And that's really what you want to try to impart as far as wisdom, knowledge, experience, and and mostly a lot of mistakes to get there. Like, here's how we mess this up so many times. Do it a different way in, in your uh, neck of the woods, and you, you know you may find success. Yeah, when you go about uh, receiving feedback, and you talked about these post production meetings that you do, how much do you have to factor in the results of the game when you're going through that? In terms of like. Hey, we lost three one, so the crowd mm -hmm. wasn't into it. Mm -hmm. And maybe this will work in a different game, yeah. but it didn't work tonight because yeah. you know the crowd was just sad. It's a thoughtful question, and it, it's a big part of it. If we win seven nothing, best show ever! <laughs> wow, those ideas were great. And you know, you lose five nothing. It's like, wow, yeah, they just went. Generally, that's the case in sports, and in my experiences that I've had, um, this city is not that way. This city is we can be down five, one in the third period. And there's still this fantastic hope, wishful thinking and sports is sports. It could happen. And maybe because there's not a hundred years of pro hockey history in the city that, that they're not jaded where it's like, ah, we're out. We're not there. We're not going to win. There's no way there's, there's like this hope because year one was like this Disney written fantasy film where like anything was possible. Magic was happening right before our eyes. So so I, I think our fans are enthusiastic. Win, lose, or draw, that's not the norm at all. Like, that's not the way it is. So you do have certain things where, like, we got this really great thing. But in the third period, if you're down 5-1, maybe we don't play that. Maybe that's better in a 2-2 game. And you're kind of just spending the last two years building out a library that you can kind of do the a la carte. Like, oh, cool. This moment just happened. We got this. Oh, cool. I mean, we had a, we had a husky gentleman on nitron one time and he was dancing and he was great and he pulled his shirt up and he just started jiggling <laughs> jiggling jiggling and we're like oh my god it's the truffle shuffle from goonies <laughs> well we didn't have that but sure as heck the next day we're like we got to grab that clip so you know a, a month later that moment happened and every single one of us there's this creative synergy we're like get it go get the truffle shuffle go go so we put him up put a uh, chunk up and back and forth. And we're like, what a cool moment. So we're kind of just building out this library to be able to be interactive with the fans, with the moment of the game, the scenario, and, and um, you know, just kind of have some fun. I know uh, Ben, Ben referenced earlier that you wanted to get into the wrestling talk. So, well, you, you kind of come from that world. So, I mean, what can you bring from wrestling and what was that experience like, uh, first of all, but then, then what can you bring from that to, uh, to your job now? Wrestling was an, 
unbelievable lesson and education in storytelling and and how to put on a show for a global audience. I I had been lucky where I had well over 10 years of game ops sports production experience and I thought I was pretty good. Like I'd been able to work with incredible people. I learned from great people and awesome people helped elevate me to, to become better. And then I got this opportunity to work with WWE and I actually got to interview with Triple H and Stephanie McMahon, which was bananas. And they had such a vision and they had such a uh, culture that they had just established there to allow failure, to allow story to allow fan engagement. You know, John Cena is the all-time great make-a-wish grantor ever. Like th there was this philanthropic mentality to what they did too, where it's like, yeah, it's a show, but they kind of let you behind the curtain and like wrestling or not, like follow their social media channels and look at the gazillions of followers. Look at what they have for, for uh, the global audience. And we would do shows in Ecuador and then Tupelo and then Paris and then LA. And so you would, you would build these shows, but then you'd, I would get to study and watch these incredible performers, you know, do something in England one night and then in Paris the next night where the, they didn't speak the same language. So they had to physically change the show to help explain it. And I would work with the hosts and some of the announcers and it was so much fun to be like, oh, this is a phrase that they use here, but definitely don't say this because this is really sensitive here. So you were constantly creating a different show it was the same brand and the same message, but like you were able to, some of the ancillary supporting elements that we were in charge of, um, we got a chance to just sort of like work with and, and, it, and it would change night in and night out, which really helped coming into this city for sure. So uh, learned 101 storytelling, uh, world-class place to work, and uh, definitely had a, a huge influence on a lot of the things we do here for sure. Yeah. How much did that, I guess, WWE storytelling style really influence you here? Because of course you've got this stereotypical good versus evil you know you've got the heels yeah. in wrestling mm -hmm. whereas of course the knights yeah. are an easy good guy yeah a symbol yeah so how much did you kind of use that template here a, a ton ben you've been to the show you've been to the games you know uh we've got um the golden knight he's the epitome of the good guy the baby face and then and and it's the same if the new york islanders show up right like the golden knights that's hey that's the home team we're cheering for him it's good and a good story, right? A good hero. Luke Skywalker is awesome because Darth Vader's one bad dude. Like if he wasn't so great, Luke Skywalker wouldn't be so great. So it's the same in wrestling. It's the same, in my opinion, with the Vegas Golden Knights. We try, especially with some people not having a, a huge um, experience in hockey. We want to make sure when teams came here, Calgary Flames are here. They're evil. They're big. They're mean. They've been around. They're from Canada. What, what sort of characteristics can we brand them? To, to help the fans be like, okay, I understand them a little bit more, and now they're my enemy. Now now I'm cheering for the Knights even more because of that. So it, it, it was a big influence in a lot of the things we do. Again, culture more than anything, uh, just, just as far as like really allowing your characters to be characters, allowing failure, and, and having a, a cohesive vision and doing it all for the fans, for sure. And we say it's not just wrestling. Uh, if I'm missing a point in your resume, please let me know. Mm -hmm. But let's see interned for a major league baseball team mm -hmm. worked for an nba team the cleveland cavaliers worked for an nhl team before this the yeah. columbus blue jackets yeah. you've helped out with nba all-star games mm -hmm. you've helped out with uh nfl hall of fame ceremonies yeah. two olympics yeah. if i'm not mistaken yeah. you've worked in just about every avenue of big league sports in this country before coming to las vegas so how did that kind of myriad of experiences help you because you mentioned earlier how you try to pluck people from all different mm -hmm. areas so how did your own kind of multi-sport background help. Ben, you sort of just answered that question. So building the team here, 
I, I chatted and talked to all of the great people that I've been able to work with. And it was like, hey, whether it was a, an Olympic event that I got a, to be a part of or the NBA All-Star Game, there's all of these world-class people that through osmosis, like I'm, I'm, trust me, it's better to be lucky than good. I'm very lucky with that, that list that you just read off. But, but when you're around all of these great storytellers and you see how different people do things – you just start to pick up like, oh, that's cool. I, I jive with that style of directing. Oh, cool. I like that style of choreography. It, it doesn't matter. Like, I, I like that logo the way it looks. Like, we're all inspired by different things. You drive down the highway and you see a billboard. You're like, oh, that's that's kind of weird. Or, oh, man, that's really great. I'm going to call that number. Like, whatever, you know, tickles your fancy. But I've been super, super blessed to just work on insane teams, learn from great leaders, try different things all over the country. And, um, it was a big part of coming out here and, and, uh, the WWE was the, the, the most profound kind of change up to the whole thing. Cause I, like I said, I thought it was pretty good. I wasn't, I got there and I realized, well, I have way more to go. So if anything, it's, 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 uh, humbled me in the sense of like, you can get so much better because I know a lot of incredible people who are so much better. So it's like, they constantly are setting that bar and, and you just want to keep that chase going. Like, how do we keep evolving? How do we keep moving people, creating stories that matter and, and creating smiles. That's a Vince, Vince McMahon line is like, we're in the business of making smiles. Like sounds amateur, sounds silly, but like, really, that's what we're doing. Has right? he ever, has he ever smiled? <laughs> like, I've seen it. I've seen <laughs> okay, it. No. That's, that's interesting. He's, he, incredible, incredible culture, incredible phrases, but, but the thought of like, that's what we're doing. Like, let's not take it too serious. If we can create smiles, that's pretty important. You, you talk about evolving and, and, you know, moving on. Like we have talked on the last couple of podcasts, it's the off season. So, yeah. we're, you know, we're trying to, you know, we're counting down to the season. There's going to be some things going on. Is there an off season for you? Cause I yeah. feel like you guys already now have to be working on year three and what, what change are you going to make? Adam, you're a uh, <laughs> smart man, gentleman and a scholar. It's that a lot of people ask that question. They're like, Hey, it's the off season. So what do you do now? Totally fair question. Like, why would you understand our process and what we're doing? But first off, we're recovering from season one is what we're doing because <laughs> yeah. kind of season one went right into season two. And so we're kind of taking a break there. But a big important part of, of doing anything well, I think, is taking some time to marinate. And we live in this society where it's like, oh, Twitter, like, go here, move here, phone call. And you never stop and think about it. So we're trying to do that. We're trying to look at some of our processes, some of our standard operating procedures. Now, this stuff sounds boring, but when you're on game three that week and it's you did an overtime game and you had an issue with this person and this video didn't go, like you like you want to have things that make your job easy so you can be as successful as possible. And when there's changes and there's there's moves and new technologies, you want to be able to adapt and move with that. We want to create that that best experience. We can't rest on our laurels. So this is our time where our animators are doing all these tutorials and taking all these classes to figure out how to make a light sweep look better, how to make three-dimensional objects look cooler. Now, that doesn't sound fun to talk about, but oh my God, the passion behind that artistry. And then when you see it on the ice and we're cutting a plane in half against Winnipeg, you're like, oh, okay. Like those are the guys who are doing it. They're working so hard at that. So, you know, hiring great people. It's all about character, integrity people. So we're always looking at, at building out our, our talent pool uh, full-time and, and part-time and that's everything. So we're we're very busy right now, but it's a different level of like, oh, it's not a hundred hour work week and you're not working till 11 p.m. and the adrenaline, you can't sleep because it was an amazing game. That's that's kind of goes away. You you mentioned social media and this just made me think of this. Um, at the end of the season, there was the, the, the Sharks. It was the playoff series, the Sharks and the Knights mm -hmm. and Ryan Reeves and Evander Kane had the back and forth and the, yeah. the whole Muffin Man thing came yeah. up and you guys incorporated – uh, that into the into the game production. Yeah. You know, he, I think Kane got thrown out and the song was playing. <laughs> it was fantastic. It was unbelievable. Yeah. 
So you guys obviously have to be up to date on the news that's going on yeah. as well, in addition to just, you know, being in your world. Yeah. But I guess my question is, like, how much thought is there to, okay, we want to do this. This is going to be fun for the fans. And in that case, it was easy because, mm-hmm. you know, he's the bad guy, blah, blah, whatever. Yeah. But you also have to think, like, are we, like, stepping over a line of, like, being too involved in the back and forth or, like, you know, maybe something offensive? I, I don't know, like, how that thought process goes. It's a great – again, like, we have to think that way. It's – very perceptive to even ask that question because there's that line where it's like let the game be the game don't go too far uh, years and years ago when i was working for the florida marlins i remember you talk about involving yourself in the game i accidentally pressed a song cue in the middle of a pitch which <laughs> like you just don't do that baseball's pretty like subdued as far as entertainment anyway but literally the guy cranks back he's about to throw a hundred mile per hour fastball and as he releases it, you hear, unbelievable, oh! And like the umpire, the batter, the catcher, they all look up behind and they're like, what are you doing? And it literally was like, just oh, my bad, you know? So you never want to do that extreme, but it happens. You know, in that case with Muffin Man, we're listening to the crowd, right? Like that's not our choice. You hear enough people on social media, within the organization, hey, did you see what happened? Did you see what got tweeted out? And you're kind of like, all right, let's 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 be ready for this. We couldn't figure out that Evander Kane was going to get a, a major, get booted out after a fight. We had the hypothetical. We were talking to Jake Wagner who had the track ready, and he's like, hey, just so you know, I have this in case. And you're like, man, we talk about produce your position. And he literally had it ready to go. The moment happened. He's like, we talked about it. Do you want it? We're like, let's do it. It sounds awesome. And it got cool reviews, but like there was thought behind it. Was it too far? Was it? And if it is too far, which happens at times, we have conversations about that. We have, we have a lot of dialogue about, oh, this was maybe a little bit too much. Ah, maybe we should do more of this. And and we're, we know we can always get better. So we want to listen to, to all of the voices that can help elevate this organization and, and, and the experience for the city. Spend a lot of time with us, so uh, we'll get you out of here. But what can people expect season three? It's down the road. You have so much expectations to live, live up to now. Uh, I guess that's difficult in the yeah, first place yeah. that people just expect so much now, and you have to kind of live up to it. But you know, what can we see from you guys next year? You know what? The same kind of drive, right? Like this team is Vegas born. We are Vegas born. We are proud to be Vegas born, and we will live and breathe that. And uh, we don't want to forget that in any of our messaging. This community is has been so good to us. They've opened their arms to us, and we want to just give back exponentially in all things. Ho- um, hopefully, on the ice, you know, we should be good. You know, I'm not even going to touch that. That's not my realm, but it's <laughs> makes our job a lot easier when they are. Uh, as far as entertainment goes, we're going to keep our foot on the gas. We're always looking for the, the next new thing. And uh, we have a lot of people who are seeing other shows, other games, other concerts, and we're constantly saying you never know where the next great idea is. So uh, you guys have my information. If you guys hear of a good <laughs> song or a great uh, video idea, send it our way. These great ideas come from everywhere. So we're definitely not like, it's mine. It's our vision. It's not like that for us. So hopefully we can keep elevating it. Hopefully the fans can love their experience at the Fortress and and let's just have a great time. Season three, we're still a young franchise, but man, it's been an awesome ride. Let's keep it going. Awesome. Great, great stuff. Really appreciate you coming in and uh, sitting down with us for a few minutes. And uh, we'll definitely talk to you soon. Great job. Keep it up, man. And Adam, so appreciate you guys so much. Larry, my man on sound, who they never get any love. Thank no, you. We will never, we'll great. never mention You're him. awesome. Absolutely All right, cut not. that out. He doesn't exist. <laughs> you guys he doesn't exist. Great stuff, though. Thanks, man. So great stuff there from Johnny Greco, who does an unbelievable job. Awesome. Awesome stuff. Awesome guy. A lot of energy. Yeah, you can tell kind of from his energy, you can find out how all of this stuff comes together because that high energy at the arena, it translates here, even during the offseason, just sitting here with us uh, to that enthusiasm about everything that's going on. Uh, But that was cool. Learned a lot of cool stuff there, Ben. Yeah, I uh, really excited. I like the WWE callbacks. I like all the fun stories about him uh, 
with Major League Baseball and pressing the button. That was all great. And it was just an interesting insight into kind of his creative process and what's kind of made them so successful. I was lost on the WWE stuff. But uh, I actually have a good WWE story from the weekend. Uh, I'll save it for off the air, though. I'm not going to I'm not gonna give that to the people. Maybe one day. If you see us out and about, ask me about my WWE story from the weekend. But, uh, yeah, we like so many different experiences kind of form that. And you see that. Uh, kind of come out with uh, every single night at T-Mobile Arena uh, where we get to see it. But listen, there's stuff going on on the ice as well. The Golden Knights season is over. They're not playing. The finals are going on. It's weird uh, that the finals are happening and the Golden Knights are not there. They've been in in the finals every year of their existence until this year, Ben. I know. One of two is a much weirder ring to it than one of one from before. (laughs) It is an interesting final. I mean, no days off. Bill Belichick might have to dust that one off if Boston wins yet another sports championship. Uh, As we're recording, it's 1-1. St. Louis Blues won in overtime last night in Game 2 to tie up the series. I think it's been a pretty fun series so far. I really liked Game 2, the physicality. I'm intrigued to see how it's going to turn out moving forward. And I'm really excited to see what it's going to be like in St. Louis for Games 3 and 4 because that city hasn't experienced a final in 49 years. So I have to imagine those fans are going to be pretty jacked up when it comes time. Yeah, hopefully uh, Golden Knights fans are able to enjoy the finals even though the Golden Knights are not there. Uh, But there has been some hockey involving Golden Knights of the present and the future. Uh, So let's get into that a little bit because we just saw the World Championships wrapped up. Four Golden Knights, well, three and a half if you're going to throw Nikita Gusev in there. But uh, saw some Golden Knights players get some time and actually play very, very well in the World Championships. I think the Knights have to be really happy with what they saw. I mean, Gusev, as you mentioned, is like a half because he's a restricted free agent. Now, the way they talked about when they signed him to his entry-level deal, they fully expect, I believe, to be able to sign him and keep him under contract. He's just not right now. So no one super freak out over that but i think he was definitely at least the most intriguing player we saw there because obviously i mean mark stone had a really good world championship he was actually named the mvp jonathan marshall i thought played well for team canada shea theodore had a very shea theodore skilled goal in the gold medal game but gusev is a guy who you know obviously i don't know about you i didn't watch a lot of khl games no this year no i I had the uh the package on satellite but uh didn't still didn't go on the dark web very busy find those yeah. um but i thought it was he played really well now we played with some good people he played with the presumptive uh heart trophy or mvp winner nikita kucherov from the tampa bay lightning on the line in this championship uh, tournament but he had 16 points which were tied for the second most of the tournament four goals 12 assists i thought he looked pretty solid and he's definitely if they do sign him as expected he's gonna be an intriguing option for them i think next season well i thought the the biggest positive for the Golden Knights out of this whole tournament was not Gusev, even though he was very encouraging. It was the fact that nobody got hurt. That's true. That's I think number that, one. That's your that when you're looking at players playing international competition, you want them to get experience. You want them, you know, to learn how to win at a very high level. All those things for sure. You don't want them to get hurt. And they didn't. Uh but I think you're right. Gusev is the one. You know what you have in the other guys. Mark Stone played out of his mind. He was fantastic. But that's what Mark Stone does. Like you just kind of know that. Shea Theodore, as you said, I thought I thought he played very well. I thought you saw flashes of his, you know, high, uh, highly skilled offensive ability. You saw that. You know, you have that, and you know, you have a Marsha. So Gusev is still the great unknown. How's he going to perform at the highest level? Golden Knights fans haven't really seen him play yet. Uh, so I think that was certainly the storyline. That was the most encouraging thing to come out of it. That hey, you have somebody here who not just the KHL, the international level as well, can play at a very high level. Can can score points, can be productive, and that's got to be a, a, a very good sign uh, for the Knights going forward and has to offer 
Certainly. So I think the team probably knew what they had in him. They've seen enough of him uh, scouting him and being around him. But for the fans, you look at that and say, wow, that's another very productive player potentially to add to the mix. Yeah, it's a very good data point for him. Now, how much does it ultimately mean for him going forward? That's really to be determined. I mean, there's still going to be stuff that they're going to have to figure out in terms of where would they put him in the lineup next year when they sign him? Is he going to be strong enough defensively to kind of hold up in a large role right away? And if he does struggle defensively, is he just going to score enough anyway, like he did in this tournament, to kind of make that not matter? All questions that are still to be determined. Do you figure it out 100% in this tournament that happens after a lot of these guys just finished up a long NHL regular season? I mean, you could see, I mean, the goalies for Team Canada, you got Matt Murray and Carter Hart. Both good guys. Obviously, Matt Murray, two-time Stanley Cup winner for the Pittsburgh Penguins. But you have to imagine a lot of uh, good Canadian goaltenders turned down opportunities to go to this tournament because they just wanted to rest. Just like a lot of players also probably wanted to rest and set out this tournament. So you don't want to overstate what Gusev did, but it's definitely more encouraging than not that he performed super well. For sure. And another very encouraging thing going on right now in the Golden Knights organization is what is happening in Chicago with the team's AHL affiliate who is playing in the Calder Cup Finals. They made a run through the West. Now they are uh, playing Charlotte in the East. And listen, does it matter if they win a championship? Not really in the end. I mean, you want to see them have success and everything else. But what this is, is your young players not only getting an extended look, uh, getting more games, which is always better for the young guys, but also learning about you know playoffs and what it takes, you know how much you have to step up your game and winning at that highest level, uh, the, the pressure and the focus that comes on that these guys are learning that at this level. It's not the same as the NHL, but I, I think that that is the biggest part of this run for Chicago. Yeah, I think that's absolutely the biggest thing is that, I mean, you've got some of your top prospects there, like obviously Cody Glass, Nick Haig. These guys are learning about playoff hockey and playing the same team multiple times in a short period of time and how you have to make adjustments when that's happening. I think especially it's good for their goalies. I mean, we saw Oscar Donsk have a really, really good game to close out the San Diego goals in the conference final. And I think that's so important for a goaltender to be able to be put under a pressure situation where it's, you know, it wasn't do or die for the Wolves in that game, but the whole series is, you know, do or die with the playoffs. Yeah. And that's a lot of added mental pressure on you as a goaltender and how you handle that is key to not just your success, but your team's success. So those are all things that they can incorporate moving forward. And like I said, it's the same thing with Gusev, where it's like, does it prove that Nick Hag and Cody Glass are going to be great NHL players because they've helped the Wolves go on this run? Not necessarily, but it doesn't hurt either. Yeah, Cody Glass really getting his first look even at that level. He didn't come up to the team until late in the season. Uh, when is what w- He ended the WHL season and then went up uh, to the AHL, and now he's getting that extended look, which I think has to give the Knights a little bit more confidence if, if he is going to try to be in the mix next year to say, hey, he was able to do it at this level and play at this level and be successful, so we'll find out. Certainly, they've got veteran forwards uh, down there like Daniel Carr, who was uh, phenomenal this whole season, but he's a little bit older. AHL MVP. Yeah, Tomas Hika. And even, despite missing a long period of time, uh, Daniel Carr was able to win the MVP. Hika down there as well. So you're getting a look at those guys, but for the most part, their forward lines are loaded for the next couple of years. Like They're stacked. Cody Glass will be in there at some point. We'll find out about the rest of the guys. I think the blue liners, the defensemen, are the guys that are really getting an extended look here that I think the team is mostly watching right now. 
Yeah, I think there's a lot of intriguing guys there. I actually talked to uh, Coach Rocky Thompson for a story that you guys can check out Friday or Saturday. Oh, you're such a pro. I know, such a pro. Reviewjournal.com. Review oh, until you blew the review I journal. I blew it. I flubbed it. It's good. That's uh, a problem. He was specifically mentioned Jake Bischoff as a guy who stepped up. And I think a lot of the guys in that blue line had to step up because lest we forget... Uh, they lost probably their most talented player midway through the season because all of a sudden Eric Brandstrom got shipped out so that the Golden Knights could get Mark Stone. So guys like, you know, Nick Hag, you know, Jake Bischoff, Zach Whitecloud, you know, all three of those guys who I think are going to be in the mix for some NHL playing time next season had to take on bigger roles because Brandstrom was out of there. And so that was kind of interesting to me of that that blue line has really come together with a lot of prospects to form a good defensive nucleus in front of their goaltenders like Oscar Dantz, Maxime Lagasse, and guys like that. And, and it'll be very helpful if they could get some young, you know, young defensemen coming up and being able to play at the NHL level uh, that would relieve some of the salary cap issues. The cheap is also yeah. a big adjective yeah. to throw in there. Young and cheap. So, I mean, the Golden Knights are not just going to throw these guys in just because, hey, we need to save money. They're cheap. Let's throw them in. But if they're able to play at this level and, you know, and show that they can be a, a championship level player at at that level, at the AHL level, then all of a sudden you start to feel a little bit more confidence in at least thinking about putting them in the mix next year uh, for roster spots. When hey, some of these some of these veteran defensemen have to be looking over their shoulder a little bit, which also helps the create competition internally, get those guys to step up their game. Because if not, these young guys are ready to go, and they're going to be you know chopping at the bit to get in there. Absolutely, and I think you've got a lot of guys that are hungry here. I mean, Jake Bischoff was a healthy scratch for, I think, like 15 games this year without actually ever getting into an NHL game, still waiting on that NHL (laughs) debut. So he's got to be just chomping at the bit to finally get into some action here with the Golden Knights. And, of course, Nick Hag, you know, one of their top prospects, a second-round pick back in 2017, is going to want to make his debut now that, you know, other guys from his draft class are starting to get into the mix with other teams from other organizations. And like Zach Whitecloud has shown some things in training camp before and some preseason games. And so he's a guy, too, that I believe has played one NHL game and is probably hungry to get back out there. And so that's what you want is you want these young guys hungry and developing. And right now it's paying dividends for the Wolves because they're obviously advancing far. They're playing a really good team in Charlotte. That's been the best team in the AHL all year. But obviously making it to the Calder Cup final is a lot better than not making it. Yeah, for sure. And uh, you can follow along with the uh, Chicago Wolves as they try to pursue that Calder Cup title game one Saturday in Charlotte. So uh, be on the lookout for that. They're a slight underdog in the series. I know the sports books were uh, posting that number. Uh, but make sure uh, you check out the Wolves and the future of the Golden Knights. If you're having withdrawals from the Golden Knights season, haven't watched uh, Golden Knights in a while, you can check out the prospects and see how they're able to perform and what that means for the future of the Golden Knights. Uh, but what that means for the future of this podcast is that it's over, Ben. I mean, that was very professional. That was really good. Right there. Yeah, thank you. Uh, but that will do it for us. We thank you guys for listening. Thanks so much to uh, Johnny Greco as well for bringing energy it was awesome. here to us. Absolutely. Awesome. And uh, a lot of great, great information about uh, the in-house uh, arena experience uh, at Golden Knights games, which is certainly the talk of the league at times, uh, what the Golden Knights have done here at T-Mobile Arena. So thanks to him for coming by. Thanks to the Golden Knights for having him come by and uh, appreciate it again. Like, subscribe, comment, share, all of those things, whatever you do when you find our podcast. Uh, tell your friends. We'll be here throughout the offseason periodically. And then during the season, we step it up and do it quite a bit more. Uh, for Ben Goats and Johnny Greco for joining us, uh, I'm Adam Hill. Remember, 
Golden Edge Podcast is presented by STN Sports Mobile from Stations Casinos. That'll do it for us. We'll talk to you guys again very soon. Make sure you follow along with ViewJournal.com. We'll talk to you later.